Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. If you grew up in church like I did, we sang a lot of hymns. But there was a phenomena that always went beyond my understanding. Somehow, if the song had four verses, we would end up only singing the first, second, and fourth verses. Maybe because not singing the third verse would have given the pastor an extra minute and a half for his sermon. Maybe that third verse wasn't theologically sound. Who knows? But then there were songs that had five verses, and we'd sing all five of them. And maybe it's just me, but the songs that had five verses were all slow songs. I mean, they would take forever to sing. Well, at least it felt that way as a kid. Well, we're going to camp out a little in Numbers 21 today. God has miraculously freed the Israelites from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, and it doesn't matter what God does for them, they just complain. And some people never get it. They whine, they fuss, always discontented with what is happening in their lives, and the Hebrews fit into this category. There's a big difference between growing older and growing up. Just think of the way God blessed them. They followed a man who had met God personally. Well, that's not bad to start with. He would never once lead them astray. He led them to the land that was promised. They witnessed miraculous things every single day. They never went hungry. Their food was catered. And they never had a reason to worry about thirst because water came to them from a rock that was spoken to or struck. They never lost their way. They had a a divine navigational system. When the cloud moved, they moved. When it turned, they turned. When it stopped, they stopped. Pretty simple, right? God was in the cloud. But they complained with their lips for over 40 years. They got older, but they never grew up. And if you take the time to count the number of times they complained about God's provision, if I've counted right, it happened 11 times. So essentially, it's the same song, but with 11 verses. They complained because they became impatient along the journey. Verse 4 says, And they began to speak against God and Moses. And they would just drone on and on about the way God was taking care of them. That should make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. They lost sight of the objective. Why have you brought us out here to die? We read that in verse 5. Now, don't miss this. Their overexposure to God's provision hardened their hearts. Let me say that again. Their overexposure to God's provision Harden their hearts. What did they say? Well, there's no food. Well, that wasn't really the truth. God provided the food. The fact is, they didn't like the food. Ever put a new recipe in front of your kids? Ooh, what's that? Ooh, I want McDonald's. See, they didn't have a hungry day in their life. They just didn't like what was being served. An overexposure to God's blessings will do that to you when you look at the gift and not the giver. And what makes it worse is that we just keep expecting God 
to make it better and tastier than the last time. Thank you, Lord, for what you've provided, but could you bump it up a notch, please? I mean, yeah, I'm grateful for what you've given, but that's not really what I want. <laughs> Sound familiar? This is what was happening with the Israelites. So, God sent fiery serpents to take care of their ingratitude. There was no warning like he gave to Pharaoh with all the plagues. Hey, do that again, and I'll send some snakes into your tent. No, the snakes just came. And the Bible says in verse 6 that he sent fiery serpents. Well, what are fiery serpents? Well, fiery doesn't mean red in color, but it refers to the poison, the venom burned like fire. And the verse says that many people died. And it's in that one word, many, that we see just how gracious God was and is. And you're probably thinking, gracious? Where do you see that? Many people died. Yeah, many people died. But the reality is that all of them should have died. Now, if you have three children that are misbehaving, how many of them are you going to correct? Two? No, you're going to correct everyone involved. And we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. The entire congregation grumbled and complained, and God had to deal with all of them. And God's correction and grace came at the same time because there was a lesson to be taught. He wanted them to grow up. And God's goal is not to wipe everyone out, but rather to get them to mature. Some never got it, but thankfully, some did. And in verse 7, they realize what they've done. They come to Moses, their leader, and that is the first step in growing up and turning around. Can you even remember a time when you asked someone you have hurt for their forgiveness? See, that's the first sign or hint of maturity emerging. And they knew that they were in no position to go to God themselves. So they asked Moses to do it for them. Hey, we were wrong. We're dying. You can hear the word please in every word that they say. And one of the huge life lessons that we learn is that you will be criticized by people who will need your help. So be mature and give it to them. If you don't, you'll spend time planning how to get even with those who have hurt you. Come on, come on. Just get past it. Now notice what Moses doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh-huh, see what happens when you do that to me and God? No, no. Pride does that. But Moses hears true repentance in their words. And he sees true repentance in their eyes. And he sees what he's been hoping for all along, that the people would turn back to God. Now, was Moses offended? Absolutely. But worse than that, God was offended. And God's solution to the problem is unique. He tells Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a long pole so that everyone could see it. And to me, I'm thinking, say what? A serpent? Why a serpent? You'd think that he'd want to get serpents out of everyone's mind. But no, he wants to cement it in their minds. 
So he makes the bronze serpent and he attaches it to the end of a pole. And God tells Moses to tell the people who had been bitten, look, all you have to do is look at the bronze serpent that was lifted up nice and high so everyone can see it. If they do that, they'll live. And this offer was open to anyone who was affected by the consequences of their own sin. You didn't have to be 50 or 55 or older to do it. You didn't have to be a gifted leader to do it. You didn't have to be from a certain tribe. Everyone who looks will live. The cure was simple and complete. You didn't have to sit and look at it for three hours or repeat a certain prayer over and over. You just had to look at it. And of course, this whole picture points to salvation, where Jesus would be lifted on the cross. And the same invitation is extended to us. Whoever believes, whoever takes that free gift, the consequences of sin will be wiped out. Now, let's hit the fast forward button. And when we hit pause, we're in 2 Kings chapter 18. And it's been 700 years since Moses, King Hezekiah, is now ruling. And he's cleaning up the land from idolatry. And in verse 4 of that chapter, we see that he's tearing down all the idols and all the altars to false gods. And he broke into pieces that brass serpent that Moses had made. Why? Because people were burning incense to it. And they were worshiping it. 700 years after Moses put that thing on a pole, they're still hauling this thing around. And the problem was that they got attached to the symbol and they missed the message. Now, if you come to our house, you won't find any crosses hanging on the walls. It's a personal choice for us. I don't need a cross to remind me of what Jesus did. That's why the Lord gave us baptism and the Lord's Supper. There's even an old hymn that's still sung in churches today. And the chorus says, I'll cherish that old rugged cross. And remember, the cross was simply the tool, the method that God chose. That's not what we should cherish. We should cherish the one who gave his life on the cross. Anyway, the Hebrews made it difficult and they missed the message. The snake was just something to look at. After it served its purpose, they should have dumped it. And King Hezekiah called it Nehushtan, which means a big chunk of brass, because really, that's all it was. They thought that it was the thing that cured them, but it was what it represented that cured them. And they missed that. It was the power of God to heal a deadly snake bite. And when the people were healed... It was no longer needed. It had served its purpose. They should have put it in the trash or burned it with fire. But 700 years later, they're dragging the silly thing around, burning incense to it. Why? Because they focused on the gift instead of the giver. And again, the problem was their overexposure to God's mercy. And it desensitized them. So let me ask you. Are there any Nehushtans in your life? Nehushtan was a big, heavy piece of brass, and they thought they had to carry it. But Jesus says, come to me. 
because my burden, my load is light. Let me pray for you. Lord, we've complained and grumbled through most of our life, and we're just now getting it. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. And for those who have chosen to stay filled with themselves, make them uncomfortable. Make them restless. Help them to realize that they are snake bit. Make them look to you for that life that they so desperately need. And it's so easy to whine and complain, just like the Hebrews. Rearrange our circumstances so that we have to get rid of all the Nehushtans in our life. Thanks for joining in today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Download it, share it with a friend. If you have any comments or feedback about the podcasts, I'd love to hear from you. Let's get rid of all the Nehushtans in our life and pursue the giver, not the gift. We'll see you next time. Music